Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Lincoln Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Former Auburn quarterback Jason Campbell joins us today. The great Ricky Ricardo joins us today. Voice of the Eagles on Spanish language. Voice of the Yankees on Spanish language. We'll talk to him. I'll talk also about saving uh, John Sterling's life. And uh, which he did. And tomorrow it looks like we might get Reese Davis on the show. So we'll go from there. Matt's been busting his backside to get these people. Well, he didn't get these people. All right. So that's a different story. All right. Um, <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, Reese had the standard question that everybody has when we book guests. I'm not going to be talking to you know who am I. And then the second question is, how's the chief doing? It's everybody asks the same questions. Oh, oh my almighty! I can't believe it. That's not true. I'm loved. Beloved. All right. The... Um, let me get into something that's obviously interesting. Of course, Dan Patrick was on earlier today, and you know, whatever what Dan was talking about. And you know, and Dan has to do his show, and he has to do, and he has to bring up the topics he wants to talk about and the sources that he wants to talk to. So let's do this in a big picture context for a moment. Couple things. Number one. I've had to spend more time wasting my time this week on everybody else's talk show talking about this this week. I was on in Birmingham today. I was on in Omaha today. You know, these are all things that were done ahead of time, whatever. And I've had to waste my time talking about this because of all the rumors and the speculation. Um, I've got three more i got to do tomorrow. Got, well, two are more personal tomorrow. One's, I think two are profile interviews and one's a a show show. Um, USC is interesting in that it's not the same it it is one of the signature jobs obviously in college football as is Penn State but the dynamics in the city have changed and the reason the dynamics in the city have changed is because of the Rams USC had, when Pete Carroll was there, they had that city to themselves. They were the show. Now, the Rams, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Matthew Stafford, 
getting to a Super Bowl, being a Super Bowl favorite this year. It's their town, football-wise. USC, for the moment, is an afterthought, and they did not sell out the Coliseum. The Coliseum was an instant sellout during the Pete Carroll days. They did not sell out the Coliseum Saturday night. Didn't have a sellout the week before either. And the Coliseum is not the Coliseum. I've only done one game of the Coliseum in my career. It was 92,000 seats at that particular time. It's 60,000, 65,000 now. They've kind of cut off the seating in there. They didn't sell it out. So now let's, what is the greatest teacher I use on this show? It's history. History is the greatest teacher that we have because there's so much you can learn from it. So let's take a look at the elite programs in college football. Because anybody who thinks that James Franklin is a plug-and-play, he goes, hey, let's just bring somebody else in. Because, you know, like James, like any coach, has people who are four square behind him, and they've got, you know, and like any coach, they'll have detractors along the way. Everyone knows which camp I'm obviously in. So let's take the elite programs in college football. The brand, remember we've talked all summer long, especially after Oklahoma and Texas, about the brands, the biggest brands. So let's talk the biggest brands. Alabama. When Thomas was the coach back in the, what, 30s, 40s, whatever, and Bear, by the way, was one of his players, they had great, great programs. Then when he left, they wandered until they got Bear. And then when Bear retired, and then shortly afterward, about a, what, five weeks later, Bear passed away. But he'd already retired. Except for a brief period of time when Gene Stallings was there. And Gene was an older coach at the time, so his window was going to be limited, so they won a national title. Except for that brief period of time. From 1983 until 2006, 7, 2007, when Nick Saban came in, what did they do? What did Alabama football do? You're talking 24 years, except for the brief time that Gene Stallings was there and they won a title. What did they do? Wandered. I mean, some good years, some okay, but nothing exceptional. Texas. Daryl Royal. Incredible. After Daryl Royal, up until Mac Brown, what did Texas do? Some good, some okay, wandered a bit. Since Mac Brown, what have they done? Some okay, wandered a bit. Charlie Strong became Tom Herman, became Steve Sarkeesian. They got rid of Mac. Mac wasn't winning enough for them anymore. Okay. USC. Howard Jones had a great run. Then, of course, John McKay had a tremendous run. 
John Robinson, to his credit, stepped in after John McKay, and John Robinson had a heck of a run. After John Robinson, you look at the last 35 years of USC football. Or let's say the last 25 years of USC football, 30 years. Except for Pete Carroll, who they had. And Pete Carroll wasn't their first choice. Pete Carroll wasn't their second choice. Pete Carroll wasn't their third choice. Pete Carroll wasn't their fourth choice. He was their fifth choice. And remember, Pete Carroll had been a, yeah, the Patriots, he was a, yeah, with the Jets, yeah. He wasn't exactly like, oh, my goodness, we got Pete Carroll. I mean, Pete Carroll's now Pete Carroll because of what he did at USC and then subsequently, of course, winning a Super Bowl with Seattle. But before USC, but he's been the only guy. Oklahoma, Chuck Fairbanks goes to Barry Switzer, wandered for a while until they finally got Bob Stoops. Nebraska. Bob Devaney became Tom Osborne. Frank Solich's not winning enough. What have they done in 20 years? They've had some good with Bo Pelini, but let's be real. Miami. Miami hasn't been really relevant on the national stage for 20 years. And they were able to go from Howard Schnellenberger, Jimmy Johnson, Dennis Erickson, wow, wow, wow. But last 20 years, they're not a factor. Florida State, Bobby Bowden. Now, Jimbo comes in, wins a title. Jimbo left the program in worse shape than he inherited it. His last two years, really three, not good. And he got out while the getting was good. They're a brand no factor. Clemson, until Dabo got there, Clemson was always good, never great. Notre Dame. Look how many coaches Notre Dame has run through since Lou Holtz. Ryan Kelly's been the best of the group. He's about to break Newt Rockney's victory record at Notre Dame, and nobody's going to say he's Rockney. I mean, you know, even Brian Kelly won't do that. He's not going to do that. Well, look at all the different guys that have coached there. Bob Davey, Tyrone Willingham. You keep going through the long list of guys. Like, holy mackerel. Wow. These are the brands, the brand of all brands. I mean, Auburn's another good example. You know, Gene Chizik wins a national title. Two years later, he's out. Gus Malzahn's able to beat Alabama three, four times, and he's out. Ryan Harson's in now. My point is, you need to get the brand matched up with the right guy. And when you've got the right guy, understand the slice of gold you have. Because you just can't say, we are, and boom, plug in big name. I mean, the Ohio State fans are not pleased between Woody Hayes and Jim Trestle at all. And it's not like these guys are bad coach. John Cooper's not a bad coach. Earl Bruce's not a bad coach. But, Okay. They finally got Urban in there. Now, I think the jury is still out on Ryan Day. It's still not really, I mean, he inherited stuff. I mean, how's he going to be going forward? I don't know. Look at look at Michigan. 
since Bo. You know, Lloyd Carter did a great job, by the way. Not a good job. Lloyd Carter did a great job. In fact, in a lot of ways, he accomplished more than Bo did. I say that with all due respect to Bo, but Lloyd won a national title. But since then, it's been Rich Rodriguez, Brady Hoke, Jim Harbaugh. I mean, they're still searching. My point with James Franklin is this. When you've got that slice of gold that matches you, fits you, man, you've got to go for it in every way, shape, and appreciate what you have. Because history is your greatest teacher. Alabama wandered for years, decades, until they got Nick Saban. Notre Dame has wandered for a long time, and you now Brian Kelly has done a good job of stabilizing him. USC's got Pete Carroll. He's been the only guy since John Robinson. Look at all the other people who have coached there. Over and over this happens. I didn't sit there and say, hey, let's look at the Kansas job. You have to understand. I mean, there, there are some people that think that this, oh, yeah, well, he's just, he's you know, he's dangling it out there again, and then people get disgusted by it, and they'll say, well, we can get bring in somebody else. Guess what? When you've got the right guy, the right fit, then you got the right guy, the right fit. And I think that needs to be understood by a lot of people. Right brand, right moment, right guy. And it's not just as simple as, here I am, let's go. I mean, Texas A&M cracks me up. Jimbo has, you know, inherits Kellen. He didn't recruit Kellen Mond. Right? But he goes down to Texas A&M. He's done a good job. So he got him for 10 years, $75 million, $7.5 million a year. They gave him a raise to $9.5 million last year. They're bidding against themselves. Nobody chased after Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> they bid against themselves. Who's running that thing? Glad it's not me. All right, Jason Campbell, next half hour, Ricky Ricardo today. Uh, looks like Reese Davis for tomorrow. We can just work out a couple of logistics here on, uh, on Reese's end and my end, not on Matt's end. And we have our high school roundtable tomorrow as well. We have our cast set for tomorrow. Yes, it will be the Chief, as usual, Greg, as usual, and Zach Showers this week for Seals Grove. Okay. Very good. Seals Grove coming off a big win. And it's the Doug Bowl this week. That's right. I believe we have not heard from Doug. I'm... Maybe before the week is out, we'll hear from Doug. Just... Oh, yeah, he'll call. He won't leave us hanging. I mean, this is all, I mean, we all know that there's one person who thinks they're the sun and the planets orbit around him. But in reality, this, that spells Suda. This is actually more about D O U G, Doug. Back with more in a moment. Here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Okay.
band late getting into the studio today? Or? <laughs> Been that kind of day. Oh, that's okay. Salvation's down the hallway. All right. Uh... <laughs> no. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> oh. People ask me about him all the time. I said, you know what? He's the suit is incredibly good natured about all this. So he is actually good natured about it. Now, all the stuff we do is actually true. But it's, <laughs> it's I thought. All right, Jason Campbell, next half hour, former Auburn quarterback, former Washington quarterback. You know, it's. You know, today, even now, you still have to say former Washington quarterback. You can't, you know, you have to get used to not saying former nickname quarterback. Now, next year, maybe we can go back to, you know, maybe Washington will finally get a nickname. They claim they are. Great to have you with us today on the show. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Roots 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf and online at sunburymotors.com. High School Roundtable tomorrow in this time slot. Zach Showers on Sealand Grove, Ray Wetzel on Lewisburg, and the Chief Dave Ritchie on Shikolemi as we preview another big week of high school football in the Valley. Weather looks like it's going to be great Friday night, too. Not just good, but great. All right, so let's uh, zero in on Penn State football now. Penn State-Auburn, Saturday night. Beaver Stadium, 7.30. Former Auburn quarterback, played against the Nittany Lions in the Capital One Bowl 2003. Former first-round pick, Washington quarterback. And now also on CBS Sports with uh, Adam Shine and company. Um, and that is Jason Campbell. Welcome. Great to have you with us. Hey, good, good afternoon, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. I got to ask you about your other venture before we get into Auburn for a moment uh, with Adam uh-huh. Shine and CBS and and uh, NFL Monday QB with Boomer and Phil Sims. Uh, quite the experience for you. What did it take for you to get into this broadcasting world after playing quarterback for such a long time? Well, honestly, uh, yeah, I'm excited to be on. Uh, honestly, they reached out to me and uh, say, you know, they had kind of heard some things I was doing and. They kind of want to get some younger talent on there uh, with some of the guys that they've already been having for a few years. And, 
And so, you know, one my name kind of came up, and so they kind of interviewed me, and uh, they called me back and let me know that I, I had gotten a job. So, you know, it's one of those deals, man, where you're on there, you know, five to seven times during the football season, uh, still on the pandemic protocols um, as of right now, but still, you know, they had an opportunity to get on there and be, be on there with some elite guys. You know, it, it means a lot. So looking forward to it, looking forward to it. Just so you know, I remember the days when I was considered younger talent. All right, so. <laughs> 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 hey, you still young, still young. Dad always tell me, you're as young as you think. Uh, I have to ask you, do you understand, obviously, the rigors of playing in the SEC because you had a terrific career at Auburn. Bo Nix is in his third year as the starter. His road record, and I'm talking about wins and losses, Mm-hmm. He's eight points lower completion, 62 to 54%, and nine touchdowns and 10 picks on the road. Now, I know obviously opposition means something, no question, mm-hmm. but what's the difference in your opinion when you watch Bo Nix play in Jordan Hare versus the one you see on the road? I'd just say he's more comfortable at home. Uh, for whatever reason, when you watch him at home, he's, he just looks like a different guy. You know, he looks like he's more in control of what he's doing. Um, when it comes to he's more patient. Uh, what I mean by that, inside the pocket, he doesn't run and escape as fast as he would when he's on the road. Uh, I just think for him, it's also just uh, a point of just trying to mature. Uh, I think for him coming out of high school, he was a guy that was highly talented coming out of high school, and most of the time he created a lot of plays with, with his legs and with his running ability and getting outside the pocket and making those throws. And I think that kind of carried over to Auburn. You know, he didn't have the opportunity to redshirt for a year and, and get work with in order to get some of those out, get some of those you know habits away from him. He continued to to do those habits within his first year, the second year, and, and like we said before, you know, you don't have to win every play. You know, just uh, make sure that you're not trying to do too much. Sometimes doing too much can can cause you to can cause the issue, can put you behind the ball as far as staying on schedule and offense. So. I think that's something he's learned so far in playing these first two games. You know, let's face it, yes, we haven't played superior opponent these first two games. It's been basically, you know, build-up games uh, for this game. So, but there can come confidence out of that, you know, watching him go from first progression to second progression and third progression. So, you know, a year ago where he kind of escaped before he gets to the second progression. So he is maturing and, and, and fixing some things as a quarterback. And I think Mike Bobo coming in as new offense coordinator is really working with him on on that and trying to help get him to the next level. Jason, it's interesting because everybody works, as I've mentioned a million times in the show, on their own clock. You know, suddenly things kick into into gear faster for some people than others. The speed mm-hmm. of the game, how long did you feel comfortable in the speed of the college game when you were at Auburn in the early 2000s? How long did it take you? And then when you went to the next level with Washington, how long did it take to get the feel for the speed of the game? Yeah, for me coming out, uh, probably after my after my freshman season, uh, going into my sophomore season, probably midway through my sophomore season is when I really like gained so much confidence uh, coming into that that year. And in the NFL, I would probably say my first year I didn't get a chance to play a lot. So right. my first year, I came in, I kind of sat behind Mark Burnell, and he kind of taught me a lot about the game as far as like how to study and prepare. Uh, how to get yourself uh, mentally locked in week in and week out and how to keep tunnel vision, you know, not let the outside noise 
you know, block you from, from what you're trying to achieve and to understand there's going to be adversity, you know, at the position because it's a hard, it's the hardest position to play in all of professional sports. So, you know, for me, it was just about getting comfortable and just the hardest part for me guys, honestly, was I couldn't keep a coordinator longer than two years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. every time you get, every time you get to the point where you feel like, Oh, you're next level. Also, you got to start all the way back over. So for Bo, fortunately, you know, he had Gus the first two years and then this year, I think it's helping him mature more because he's getting a chance to do things he's never done before. He's always been a shotgun quarterback, and now he's going under the center 50% of the time during the games. And now he's seeing football from a different eye level than just being a shotgun all the time, which changes the launch point for him as a quarterback, which puts more pressure on defenses. All right, so you know, in watching Auburn the first two games, my broadcast partner for Penn State football is Jack Ham. And Jack and I were talking earlier in the week. We don't really know what to watch because it's not like I can rack up, as you mentioned, Gus Malzahn. We can rack up a tape from last year, kind of get a feel for what Gus wants to do and why. It's a new coaching staff with these players. So what's your read on Auburn so far? Yeah, that's the hard part. I was just talking to one of my teammates on my podcast earlier. Uh, I was telling, we was talking, I was saying, guys, I say the hardest part about the first week we play against Akron, and it doesn't matter who you're playing the first game, usually there are false stars, penalties, those, those certain things. And there was no false stars. There was no penalties for real. There was no turnovers. Uh, the game was very clean. Bowl was 20 or 22. Uh, you know, and the game was just, play very clean and I'm just like wow you know that, that takes a lot of discipline a lot of preparation yes. and everything so then to come into this week this past week game against Alabama State it was the total opposite you know the first half you know we had penalties we had drop passes we had you know turnovers that was close to being turnovers I mean no not turn but they was close to being turnovers and then you know, we just did everything opposite than we did the first week. And then you scratch your head and be like, okay, put yourself in their shoes. And you think like, okay, these 18 to 22 year old kids, they know what's ahead. They know the Penn State game is next week. And I'm just like, I don't know if they got caught just focusing, looking forward to the Penn State game because the Akron game is the first game of the season. So you just decided to be back to playing football in front of fans. But this game kind of, kind of got caught in the in between the big game. And you know, whatever Coach Harson said to them at halftime, in the second half, they fixed all of that. They came yeah. out in the third quarter, scored 35 points, and yeah. just started. They looked like a totally different football team than they did the first half. So I would say the first half was just lack of focus, which is something you can learn from and put that on tape, and now you can go back and correct it before you head into the Penn State game. But I'm just like you guys. I'm still trying to figure out where are we because it's hard to judge Bo as a quarterback off the first two games. You know, I'm a realist. I'm like, okay, we played an Akron team as a 1-18 Right. You know, play the Alabama State team you're supposed to dominate. Like, if you don't, then we have more problems than we thought. So, Penn State game is a pivotal, pivotal game for us because it's going to show us where we are from a player standpoint. And for Bo, has he matured enough to be able to handle hostile environments on the road? And that's the next thing for him is how he can perform on the road. Now, let me ask you about the environment on the road because this is a little different dynamic, and I'm not talking about the whiteout. That's not what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. This would be mm-hmm. a standard question no matter what the attire is on Saturday night. Auburn hasn't played a true road game since, I think, late October 2019. It's been 22 mm-hmm. months since yeah. they've had to do this, and it's not like the kind of game Brian Harson's had to coach in when he was at Boise State. 
uh, with that kind of what does that take communication wise in an environment when you haven't been used to doing it on a regular basis? Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome question. And like you said, it's, it's not about the whiteout because, like you said, we, we, you know, we play in some challenging stadiums. But the most yeah. part is, like you were saying, is it is a communication thing. For Coach Harson, you know, this is his first time in the SEC. And Coach Harson even said in his SEC media days that, you know, this is like a dream job. You know, you, you take a job like this because you're going to get a chance to play against elite talent. You're going to get a chance to play in elite stadiums. And, uh, and the pressure goes up. So, you know, as a, as a coach – this is a game that he probably wants to win in every kind of way. And the reason is, if you're a new coach and you're coming from the West Coast or the Midwest and you're coming to the SEC, you know, in order to get these kids to fully, fully buy in, you win a game like this yeah. and now they, complete, they completely buy in. So I think this is a very favorable game for him in that aspect and as a coaching staff. Now, for the players, when it comes to communication part, on the field, that's a key. Like, it's something not to be taken for granted. You know, you, you see this at every level, uh, how noise can be a huge issue, I mean, a huge a huge effect because if, you, if you're the home team, it helps your adrenaline motion gets going. You feed off of that. If you're the away team, if you start to unravel a little bit, it can go onto a downward spiral. So it, it's so important that you that as an offensive lineman that you're not listening to hear from the quarterback for a cadence, which a lot of these teams don't do cadences no more. They do the hand clap anyway. Right. So, you know, for receivers, it's keeping your eyes on the ball, not trying to look at the quarterback and see what he's anticipating to snap, but you just keep your eyes on the ball, and when the ball is snapped, then you go. So there's just things that you have to understand for its communication and, and for its, like the quarterback. If you're going to go no huddle, you have to be very precise on your signals that you're given because the guys have got to make sure everyone sees the signals and get set and get on the ball because you're going against a play clock, and you can't get delay of games and be first and 15 or third and seven or more and the crowd noise is just crunk up because and the biggest thing for me if we had a veteran football team it wouldn't bother me as much the only thing that concerned me is we are very young at the receiver position yeah. uh, yes we have Shedrick Jackson but he hasn't caught more than seven balls in the season to this year right. in the first game so and Demetrius Robinson but everybody else are young guys so that's the part that concerns me is seeing how those guys can communicate with both in that environment yeah because I mean look it's not as if Bo Nix hasn't started a game in Tuscaloosa. Hundred one thousand fans. Mm-hmm. Tiger Stadium Saturday night. LSU. He's done that before. My my issue, like if I'm thinking about it from their point of view, is they haven't done it in almost two years. That's a long right. period of time to not be quote used to it. Uh, how well does this Auburn defense run? Well, that's the. I, I think that's the strength of our team. Yeah. Uh, I know we have a strong run game, but I really think the strength of our team is our defense. You look at our linebacker core, Owen and, and McLean, like Papua McLean. Those two guys, you know, they've been together now. Like it's probably the best tandem in the SEC uh, as far as like the experience and, and the way these guys can run. We're a fast defense. Like there's always four to five guys to the ball. Uh, Coach Derek Mason come from Vanderbilt. Yep. He's a very high energy guy. And that's one thing he always talks about, get guys to the, getting guys to the ball. And they do that very well. And when I think about, you know, our, our, our back end, 
it's probably the deepest we've been, you know, with Roger McCreary and Nehemiah Prickett, and then you get the transfer and Drayshawn Miller. He, we haven't seen much of him yet. And but, Smoke Monday. You know, Smoke's a good Smoke player, Monday, too. Uh, the best name probably in college football. Yeah, you know, that's Smoke the best Monday, name in right? yeah, It is. Right. Yeah, I have all kind of smoke sausage deals without him on the NIL <laughs> part. <laughs> but, you know, that's why I think our bread and butter is our second-level and third-level guys. I think our front is better getting Kobe Wooten back and, and those guys, but you know, you, you lose a big guy like Truesdale up front before the season starts. But then you get Tony Fair, who's a think about this guy, he's been in college for seven years. You yeah. know, could you imagine? So but he's a big guy. So I think we're still a work in progress up front, just getting used to a thirty four defense and not your basic four three defense. Yeah. I think the guys are still learning that part, but I like the way we run to the football. Tank Bigsby was a highly recruited running back, and he has fulfilled a lot at Auburn. What do you like about him as a back? Uh, just his, his overall toughness. Now, that can go with a, uh, his own Achilles heel sometimes because he needs to learn when to go down sometimes. There have been times in these first two games there's three, four guys holding on to him, and he's still trying to get three, four yards, and he's already past the first down marker. you got to understand, it's a long season. Protect yourself best as you possibly can. And, you know, guys coming in low on him when he's already got three hanging on him, you know, I think he needs to learn that part of just when to say, okay, I got enough on to this play. But he's a he's a strong guy. He, he, he can run. He's tough. He has great vision as a back. I think his next level thing for him is in pass protection. Like once he really honed in on pass protection, he can really be a, a three down solid every down back. Um but this guy's tough, you know, he's not an easy guy to bring down coming out of high school. You know, we knew he was a big time guy and with the name Tank, he kinda fits who he is. <laughs> you know, he's a he's a tank. Like we have some of the best nicknames. Yeah. <laughs> so but uh it kinda fits him. Now I would probably say the guy that could help us the most in this game it's Sean Chavers. You know, we didn't yeah. have him last week. I'm still not sure what the, right. you know, what's his protocol yet. But this guy, he runs hard. Yeah. And uh, everybody remember the hit. He ran it through the guy from Alabama two years ago. Yep. But he, he's a tough guy. And he's so short, you can't see him behind the offensive line. So, you know, Penn yeah. State with big linebackers that they have, you know, they want to be able to see the guy yeah. so they can fill the gap. You can't see him in this thing. He's up on you. It, it's not fair. But – you know, we'll see what his status is, but I just think from an overall standpoint, I think we're pretty good at running back position, especially with our young kid, Hunter, that we picked up from Mississippi. Uh, young kid come in, and uh, he's had a stellar start to his career as a freshman. For Auburn quarterback, former Washington quarterback, a guy Roger rooted for, by the way, in the 2000s. And uh, now uh, with his podcast, about Auburn. Great to have him on the show today. Ricky Ricardo, next half hour. Uh, and uh, once again, we'll have another suit-free hour coming up. No? You, sir, are my hero! Tell me he's not lurking. Oh no! I think he's on the other side of the building. I haven't seen him much today, actually. Yeah, but that still means he's he, that to me. If he's in the building, he's lurking. All right, back with more in a moment. <laughs> Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor.
When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. If you're a, a sports fan, you need to have a whiteout, you know, on your bucket list. It's something that I think everybody should experience. This is as good as it gets. You talk about putting us in position for our future in recruiting. We need every seat filled. I am uh, willing to buy uh, throat lozenges on Sunday uh, for the entire fan base if that means that we have the most challenging environment uh, in all of sports um, Chris what's what's like what's one of the most common throat lozenger uh, you know companies halls yeah so we're, I'm willing to buy halls uh, for everybody that loses their voice on on Saturday that's what we're looking for we, we want this place rocking <laughs> I thought that was awesome yeah, and we were kidding around about that in the quarterback club today. Him kidding around about the halls. So, okay. There you go. Uh, it, it's interesting because, as as you heard me point out with Jason Campbell, it's not a question that Auburn's never played in front of huge, raucous crowds. They played at Alabama 101,000. They played in Death Valley in Baton Rouge against LSU, 90,000, you know, at night. They have done that before, but it's been a long time. The issue is the 22 months. Um, uh, the um, um, It's just the length of time. I mean, there's some players in that lineup that haven't had to go through it before. You know, some of the younger players, obviously. But it's also not been an environment Bo Nix has thrived in. I mean, Bo Nix at do you realize Bo Nix at home at Jordan Harris, twenty touchdowns, one interception. That's it. Then you add in his bowl games. His bowl games he's been good too, and his neutral game with Oregon. So all together, I think it's something like twenty four touchdowns, three interceptions. But in road games, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He has not thrived in the environment. That's why I brought it up. That's doggone internet. It allows you to do research. I know that's usually not done on talk shows, but what the heck, I thought I'd try it. Ricky Ricardo next half hour, and it looks like we're online to get Reese Davis on the show tomorrow, as long as the Prince of Ward 4 doesn't show. 